welcome to the I Spy with My MyOI podcast. I am your host, Brittany Sierra. I am a certified oral facial myologist, registered dental hygienist, and lifelong learner. My goal with this podcast is to expand your knowledge of oral facial myofunctional disorders and to bring you up to date in current literature so that together we can get to the root of the problem. You ask, we'll answer by collaborating with true pioneers and specialties associated with the myo world. Join me on this journey as we dive into the life-altering world of tethered oral tissues and airway space. Let's do this thing. Quick disclaimer, all content expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the speakers and is for informational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace, professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Because every person is so unique, you should always consult with your specialized healthcare professional. Dr. Rebecca Bacow is a board-certified orthodontist and periodontist. She lectures internationally on topics ranging from interdisciplinary treatment planning to airway and sleep disorders, skeletal growth and development, and corticotomy-facilitated orthodontic therapy. Upon completion of her dental degree at the University of Washington School of Dentistry, Dr. Bacow practiced as a general practitioner in the Seattle area for two years. She ultimately decided to return to school and completed her dual training in orthodontics and periodontics at the University of Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine, where she earned her master's in oral biology during dual residency. Dr. Bacow serves as an instructor in SPARE's Interdisciplinary Treatment of Aesthetic Dilemmas seminar and has also served as an affiliate assistant professor at the University of Washington in the Department of Orthodontics. She maintains a private practice in the Seattle area limited to orthodontics and periodontics. Good morning, Dr. Bacow. It's actually afternoon for me because I'm on the East Coast, but good morning to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, let's just start by talking about you and your journey and, you know, you're a dual certified orthodontist and periodontist. So when was it that you had like that aha moment that most of us do when it comes to treating and getting to really that root cause of everything? Sure. Well, probably two aha moments. Uh, when I was in dental school, I had the opportunity to be part of, um, I, I just started to, my eyes were open to this concept of interdisciplinary treatment planning, how it's, it's not just one doctor, but, but really a group of doctors that really can come together and, and help rehabilitate a patient. And so mm -hmm. through my course of, of, uh, I, I just learned a lot as a general dentist was a big CE junkie. Like I know a lot of us are that are tuning in here mm -hmm. and that's really why I ended up going back to the dual program. There's, I just thought if I'm going to go back to school, I wanted to, to do both. So I, I did the program at Penn that has, that's combined perio and ortho at the same time. And then in 2013, I was invited to hear a three-day seminar put on by Dr. Jeff Rouse. And for those that aren't familiar with what Jeff teaches, he's phenomenal. He's really ahead of his time. And it was a, a course called Airway Prosthodontics. Mm -hmm. And I sat in the front row for three days and I just sat there just eyes open and thinking, oh my gosh, all these adults that have sleep apnea are, are actually orthodontic issues. Mm -hmm. And so it really led me 
headfirst down a bit of a rabbit hole because this really wasn't something people were talking about except Jeff really 2013. Mm -hmm. And I had to go into journals like sleep medicine journals, thoracic ENT, uh, just, just learning all that I could and, and finding that there were pockets of people that were studying this Mm -hmm. Um, people like Dr. Audrey Yoon and, and Stanley Liu and, and Stanford and, and some other people across the country. Um, Mariana Evans, just some great people that are combining a lot of these concepts together. And so through just a lot of really learning from Jeff, learning on my own, and then starting to employ these things in in my day-to-day practice, then forming our own interdisciplinary sort of airway team here in in Seattle has has really changed uh, fundamentally the way we practice. That's amazing. And you do a lot of lecturing with SPARE, right? I do. So I'm really, really fortunate to be involved with Spear Education. It's a, if anyone's looking for a great sort of introduction into all of this, it, uh, concepts surrounding airway are integrated in all levels of the education, but certainly with Jeff and his courses, it's really an honor and a privilege to be part of it. So uh, obvious through this, your journey and you, you coming to understand the influences of the tongue on skeletal growth and development. Um, if you want to touch a little bit about that, cause I know you love to talk about it. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, and, and so it, it's really been, we're all lifelong learners. And so all of us, when we see these patients and we start to see patterns, we start asking questions and, mm-hmm. and pulling things together. And so historically orthodontics was about how do we get the teeth to fit together on a tabletop? And you were deemed a great ortho. Now, of course, I'm making big generalizations, simplifying mm-hmm. things, but you know, you were seen as a great orthodontist. You could get the teeth to fit together on a set of study models. And if we can take a step back and look at these kids, three, four, five, six year old kids with things like open bites and cross bites and underbites, we've never really asked the question in orthodontics. Well, just sort of mainstream orthodontics hasn't historically really looked at this Mm -hmm. um there if you go back in the literature it's quite interesting in even in the 60s and and you'll find papers kind of sprinkled through the literature that Mm -hmm. that mention these things like oh hey maybe adenoids and tonsils are causing open bites and long faces so it was out there it just it hasn't really been um in the main focus for for a long time and so uh, I'm really, really fortunate. I get to work with some amazing people in my community. Um, Dr. Dorothy Nelson, who really focuses on breastfeeding and tongue ties in babies. She's a pediatric dentist. And, and together we look at what's going on with diet, what's going on with speech, what's going on with feeding and swallowing. I get to work with some phenomenal ENTs. Is this child able to breathe? Is there something causing this, this aberrant skeletal pattern Mm -hmm. so that by the time we get to them at four or five, six years old, we can really start to work collaboratively. Um, Our practice really spans all ages. So we start sometimes as young as four, but, but probably five or six is more common. And then all the way into adulthood. Now the adults, sometimes it it has to be jaw surgery. Um, and, And sometimes people have missed it. I mean, I saw a woman yesterday who snores, she's had witnessed apneic events. She's in her early thirties. She has a narrow upper jaw, deficient mandible, lip incompetence, 
tongue tie, um, <laughs> name vertical maxillary access, you know, and she's had teeth taken out already. Mm-hmm. And so not that taking out the teeth caused all these problems. She had the problems before she ever got to the orthodontist, but right. no one knew to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. No one stopped to ask her, can you breathe through your nose? Were you able to breastfeed? What's going on with the tongue? So, uh, yeah, I think one of the biggest struggles we have as myofunctional therapists, unless we have amazing people like you locally, um, how do we, or how do you suggest that myofunctional therapists really encourage, um, more traditional orthodontists to start treating earlier? So like you said, four, maybe more so by five, but so for instance, what would you do with a five-year-old? Uh, a lot of it depends on etiology and maturity. Okay. So, um, so for example, I saw a four and a half year old yesterday. She, so we, we start with, as our intake form, we use the Shervin pediatric sleep questionnaire. Mm-hmm. So even if in your communities, you encourage your, your orthodontist, your general dentist to use the, something like a questionnaire, all of a sudden it opens up a dialogue. Right. Now this mom checked, I think 10 yeses. So chances are this child is not sleeping well. She went on to tell me that she tosses and turns through the night. She snores. She has had two tongue tie releases. Uh, she's, she's been working on speech. She's retronathic, vertical maxillary excess, and she's really crowded. Now, if I give her something like a myobrace, a healthy start, something like that, it's not going to do much if she's not breathing. Right. So her first step is continue with myofunctional therapy, mm-hmm. continue with speech. And um, if she needs occupational therapy, OT, that's great. Um, mm-hmm. But then to really start working with the ENT. So my job is really just to kind of help her get to the different pieces, help right. her sleep through the night, mm-hmm. and then she'll be ready to come back to us. And then we'll start opening things up. Um, we'll probably use more fixed appliances at that point. Now, what um, so, do you put her in up? A- <laughs> a fixed appliance? Uh, depends on the skeletal pattern. Um, <laughs> depends on what they need. But I find in our hands, a fixed expander is going to give us the best result, the fastest, mm-hmm. that's the most stable. Um, we do incorporate re- some removable appliances and maybe for really little kids that are helpful. But once you get to five, six, seven, I'm, I'm really thinking something fixed. Now, where do you think the disconnect is between, uh, you know, traditional orthodontics, meaning like what you learn in school versus then coming out and now through your own interest and passion of helping patients and getting more into airway? Like, why do you think, in your opinion, that it's not discussed prior? Like, it's usually Um, a separate journey for everybody. You know, I only know my own program. Right. Uh, I know that at at UPenn, there's a long tradition of expansion and they are really incorporating airway more and more into the curriculum. I know Dr. Audrey Yoon is involved with three different graduate programs out in California and she's starting to teach sleep as part of the fundamental curriculum in in orthodontics. Mm -hmm. So I think that the country is becoming more aware and becoming more interested, but Mm -hmm. I do think um, you know, orthodontic residency programs, they're, they're not super long. Mm-hmm. Two years is not a long time. And, and maybe if the focus really is on biomechanics and, um, you know, I don't know, 
I don't, I would hate to speculate and say the wrong thing. Um, (laughs) But, but I think, I think that people are really interested. I think people are excited to learn more Mm -hmm. and um, it, it makes it really fun and rewarding. And it's, it's not easy to work on these little kids. It's not, um, especially if they have sleep and airway issues, they're a little bit more squirmy. They're a little bit more nervous sometimes. Um, so it, it's, it's not the easy road Mm -hmm. sometimes, but, um, it's very rewarding. Absolutely. Now in terms of adults, how would you treat an adult expansion wise, um, in your office? And I'm, I know that it also varies dependent on, on everything, but just to give some examples. (laughs) Sure. Sure. So, um, the, the big thing that we look at really is, is, is the skeletal pattern in the forward back dimension. So for the purposes of this example, if we assume that they're uh, relatively balanced facially and the only discrepancy is in the width, um, there's no vertical issues or AP issues. If it's an adult female, a TAD expander has become a really predictable option in our practice. Mm-hmm. And that's a really exciting thing we've been able to introduce. And we're able to widen the roof of the mouth, widen the floor of the nose, improve room for the tongue. And Can you so just our explain what, what some, maybe some people might not know what TAD expanders are. Can you just explain that first? Absolutely. So uh, if we think about craniofacial growth and development, the upper jaw is a series of bony plates that are connected to the base of the skull through a series of sutures. And so even if we back up and we talk about kids, when we talk about expansion, we want to influence those sutures. And that's really what's going to give us the most stable result. If the end goal is to widen the bone and not, not necessarily tip teeth, um, you asked, I'll touch on this a little bit if we want to talk about appliances. Mm-hmm. Um, the literature is pretty clear. If you use, if we glue something to the teeth and we use heavy intermittent forces, uh, we we bypass the PDL and we translate all of the forces to the sutures. And so that's where we really get sutural expansion. Mm -hmm. If we use light, gentle, continuous forces, we actually get a lot of tipping because it's the PDL that's responding, not the suture. And so um, when we think about an adolescent, 13, 14, 15, 16, that suture becomes more and more fused. And so as we attach something to the teeth and we push on it, we get a lot of tipping and very little skeletal changes. And so today what we use for those skeletally mature patients is we place two tads parallel to the mid palatal suture on each side and we widen the palate and it's very predictable. It's uh, incredibly life-changing for a lot of these patients because they feel right away they it opens up nasal passages we get very little to no dental tipping and it's incredibly stable and so for our adult patients by using those tads and widening that upper jaw it it's a way to widen that upper jaw without jaw surgery absolutely and what's your philosophy on clear aligners for expansion So even the companies will tell you they're not gaining sutural expansion. No one's claiming to get, no company is telling the dentist that they're getting sutural changes with clear aligners. I think if you have a patient that everything's really tucked in, Mm -hmm. you can broaden the arch form. Right. You can create a little more space for the tongue, but you're not going to improve nasal breathing. 
Right. Uh, you're not, you're not changing the suture. You're tipping the teeth. Absolutely. I'm in, um, Invisalign right now. Um, and that's kind of the goal to tip the teeth. I have, um, a lot of like my anteriors are very, very reclined. I never had braces, um, growing up. Um, but my anteriors are very, very reclined. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the end results of that. And maybe somewhere awesome. down the line, I might need some actual expansion, but I wanted to start with this because I never had any kind of orthodontics or any kind of treatment really to my teeth. So I can preach it all day. But when it came to myself, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what I can, can commit to right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and so you bring up an interesting point. So if we talk about anterior posterior changes, that also really influences the tongue. So it's going to influence the tongue. So if we talk about the top jaw, uh, I'm preaching to the choir here, but we want that tongue to come up and forward, right? Tongue up and forward, lips together. Mm -hmm. And so if that upper jaw is, is back, we can't get the tongue up and forward. And then similarly, if the lower jaw is back. Mm -hmm. And so that's true from a skeletal perspective, but also, as you mentioned, if the front teeth are, are tucked in. So we want the front teeth to end up like this. If the teeth are like this, the front teeth are going to prevent that lower jaw from coming forward. And so there's dental relationships too, that we have to take into consideration. And what's your um, opinion on the homeoblock for adults? Do you think that patients doing that route will get significant expansion? No, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, Jaw surgery is predictable. It, we have a lot of evidence to back it up. We know that it works. Mm -hmm. We don't have any evidence that these removable appliances are helping adults. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a ton of just train wreck disaster cases where adults are going to lose their teeth. I saw one yesterday. Uh, it's heartbreaking. So I'm assuming then the same would go for like the AGA. <laughs> I, um, Your reactions are I mean, fantastic. So... If we, so, I mean, if we just think about it logically, we have a non-grower uh -huh. and we try to use a tooth borne appliance and push the teeth. What we end up seeing, if you take a CBCT, uh, you know, six, 12 months into treatment, all we see is that the teeth have been pushed out of the bone and we create these situations with lip incompetence. We create these terrible periodontal issues. I've seen root resorption. I've seen bone loss. I've seen wow. loose teeth on 35 year olds. I've seen adults that are going to lose their front teeth because of this. It changes the bite in weird ways. Um, that sometimes if you, if you put buildups on the back teeth on the wrong patient, you kick the mandible back, making the airway worse. I've seen all sorts of weirdo side effects of some of these appliances. We have good, solid research that jaw surgery, even though Nobody wants jaw surgery. Mm -hmm. We, we all recognize that, mm -hmm. but, but it becomes a means to an end. So these people, they pay a lot of money and they go through two years of treatment and they don't end up with the result they were hoping for. Mm -hmm. If they were to consider or talk, talk to a team, it's all about the team. If you get a great orthodontist, great oral surgeon that understand the system sometimes jaw surgery becomes really the fastest, most conservative option. Absolutely. I mean, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, I had asked, I told in some of the Facebook groups, I was going to be interviewing, interviewing you. So I asked for some questions. Everybody was very excited that I was going to be interviewing you. Um, 
So I'm saying that now because I have to read this question and it's pretty long. So I have to look down at the paper. <laughs> um, how do you begin to finish and how do you begin to and finish treatment for 12 to 18 year olds with an extremely narrow pharyngeal space and with a sleep study showing moderate to severe breathing issues? Uh, it depends on the skeletal pattern. So we can break it down. So let's say uh, the, the patient is balanced in the anterior posterior. We, so if we think about airway, it's nasal passages and then it's a big tube in the back of the throat. And so when we think about somebody and we, we want to open things up, the first thing we can think about is expansion mm -hmm. because the roof of the mouth is the floor of the nose. Mm -hmm. So as we expand, that's going to open nasal passages and then it's going to make room for the tongue to come forward. Mm -hmm. So we expand and then we work, then we do myofunctional therapy, tongue tie release as needed, follow up myofunctional therapy and orthodontics to get the teeth to line up. If the pharyngeal airway space is narrow because of jaw deficiencies, either upper, lower, or both, then we think about jaw surgery to bring everything forward. So it really depends on the diagnosis. And there's some great ways to look at it. So for all of you out there that are not trained at looking at like a lateral ceph, uh, can I give a quick and a quick and easy way to look yes. at it? Yes. So I'll try to do it to myself, but if you take a patient and you have them look to the side, I don't, I can't see myself and do it at the same time. If uh -huh. you look to the side and you have the patient smile, mm -hmm. the, the middle of the front tooth should be in the same parallel line as the most prominent part of the forehead. Okay. And if you drop a line from the, the no, where the nose meets the upper lip, the chin should be in that line. So I'm a little bit mandibular retronathic. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you can see that yep. in, the, yeah, in the profile, absolutely. but, um, but so you, it's a quick and easy way, but now you have to make sure that the patient is in a neutral head position. As you know, probably through your work as well, if somebody has an airway issue, they tend to posture in funny ways. Mm -hmm. So getting them in that neutral position and then seeing if one or both of the jaws are back. Now, what do you think, um, so I guess, how, how do I want to word this? I think sometimes some cases that I see, um, the transverse measurement is taken into consideration, but not so much the AP. So then when we're talking about my work and getting the tongue, you know, to do what we needed to do, it becomes, you know, a little bit of a debacle. Um, so how can we encourage providers to really take both into consideration. Like, you know, sometimes it's hard for us as myofunctional therapists because not that I wanna say there's this hierarchy, right? But they, you went to school, you went to, you know, to be an orthodontist, you did a residency, you did all of this. And then, you know, myofunctional therapist might be coming in and saying, oh, well, I'm noticing this, that, and this other thing. And so do you know what I mean? So what is like an easy way for us to communicate better? Cause I find, um, a lot of the students that I work with, that's what they want to know more of. Like what I need more communication skills of how to get the message across without sounding like, I don't even know what word I'm looking for. Like, um, you know what I'm trying sure. to say. I think really having a collaborative approach to treatment is really key whether it's a, it, whether you have the opportunity to meet in, in a study club or um, 
I I talk all the time with the myofunctional therapists that I work with about what's going on with the kid. What are they seeing? What am I seeing? Am I missing something? And they may say, hey, you know, do you think that we can, is there an AP issue? And I may say, you know, it there is a little bit, but to fix that is a big, big deal. And is this something we can work with? You know, let's say it's a, a seven, eight-year-old mandibles already down and back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to that extent, you know, maybe getting that tongue up and forward is going to help drive the growth of the jaws forward. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's true. Maybe there is a deficiency, but, but we need to work on coming forward as part of the therapy. Okay. So um, strongly just urging the myo component to it then. Yep. Yep. And, and kind of on that same, so I think establishing a team, establishing good lines of communication, making sure that everybody has the same goals is really important. Um, and sometimes, even if we, it, it, when you're talking about it with, with the orthodontist, there's times where we want to take a really conservative sort of stepwise approach. So for example, let's say you do have an 18 year old who's a little bit retronathic, has a little bit of an elevated AHI, so you, you maybe start with expansion, you start with myofunctional therapy, tongue tie release, and you see, was it sufficient? Mm-hmm. Maybe they are a little bit deficient, but is it clinically significant to the point that um, they, they need jaw surgery, for example, if, if growth is done? Now you brought up tongue tie. So I'm just going to ask a question on that. Do you find that um, releasing the tie really helps to drive the growth as well? I think it all comes down to myofunctional. I think <laughs> I do. I think the, the key is strength and mobility. Mm-hmm. And um, what I tell the parents is listen to the myofunctional therapist. If the myofunctional therapist says that you're doing great, but if we release it, you'll get to here, then I would do it. Mm-hmm. But some kids maybe can, can do re- a really good job with myofunctional therapy and maybe, and adults, maybe they don't need the release, but to me, the release is a means to do the myofunctional exercises better. Absolutely. A thousand percent. I feel like that's a conversation I'm, I'm like always, always having, like we're here, we can get to here, but we need to have yeah. the release done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure this next question I'm going to ask you, you also won't be able to give like a direct answer because I know that it varies. Um, but uh, maybe you can talk around the answer at what point millimeter wise transverse would you expand to? And I know that also depends on the patient. Um, because I think again, as myofunctional therapists, we see a lot of people that have not been expanded enough, but have gone through palatal expansion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. So two answers to that. Um, first, so Larry Andrews, is a phenomenal orthodontist and he really, he was ahead of his time when he wrote all of his papers, but he talks about this concept where you have to look at the bone. And so the mucogingival junction is where the, the light pink turns to dark pink on the mandible and it's a line and it's a good outline of the lower bone. Now, as an orthodontist, I can move the lower teeth. Mm -hmm. And so I don't look at dental measurements. I look at the bone. So if you take a set of calipers, you can do it on study model. And if you measure from molar to molar at the mucogingival junction, the top should be wider at the mucogingival junction than the bottom. 
And so when I talk to parents, you know, you can talk to them and say, look, we want the upper bone to be wider than the lower bone. We want it to sit like a hat. Mm-hmm. Like it should be up here and, and encompass go over the lower. And that allows the teeth to be upright in the bone. And, and so Dr. Andrews, his, his number he published was five millimeters. It should be five millimeters wider than the bottom, which is an approximation, which mm-hmm. takes into account, assuming that the palatal cusp to the buccal cusp of the upper first molar is two and a half millimeters. So two and a, two and a half plus two and a half would be five. Top should be wider than the bottom by five. That five, there's some wiggle room there. The take-home concept is that the top should be wider than the bottom. So I wouldn't go on a millimeter measurement. Mm-hmm. I would go on the concept that you want the top to be wider than the bottom. Right, and also seeing that those teeth are uprighted and that they're not still um, retroclined. Yep, so um, I, I recognize you guys probably aren't taking study models on patients all the time. <laughs> but some, some quick and dirty things you could do if you take, for example, a tongue depressor and you put it on the lower arch, mm-hmm. you'll see if those lower teeth are tipped or if they're upright and you want them to be upright, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. and then you want to make sure that the upper bone is wider than the lower bone. Okay. So you would literally just lay the tongue depressor this way. And you'll get a sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's all, all this is approximations unless right. you have like a CBCT or a set of study models. Right. Um, okay. Super interesting. Thank you. We definitely love all those little tips uh, that we can do. And, you know, uh, it's always a learning experience for me interviewing everybody for these podcasts. So I appreciate it. I'm, I'm always learning something new. So uh, it's super exciting. Um, another question that we had from a myofunctional therapist was when you're talking um, to a room of dental students, and I think maybe they mean not, maybe not even just dental students, but dentists or any kind of healthcare providers that maybe aren't airway focused or really aren't there yet in understanding the importance. How do you start the conversation um, about how important the tongue is and where the tongue is resting? Because again, it's not something that we really get. I mean, I'm a dental hygienist. That's my background, how I became a myofunctional therapist. And we didn't learn about the importance of the tongue. <laughs> and, and it wasn't a part of my ortho training either. So mm-hmm. um, I think the concept that form follows function. And so really paying attention to little kids at a young age, is this child a mouth breather? Is that tongue hanging down and forward? Is the muscle, is, the, is it flaccid musculature? Um, what are the food choices we're giving to little kids? Mm-hmm. And was this child able to breastfeed? What, what's going on at an early age? Are tonsils and adenoids an issue? Does this mm-hmm. child um, have allergies and asthma? These are all big questions. And so it's how we breathe. It's how we posture our tongue. It's how we rest is what's going to drive the growth of the jaws. And the other piece to this too is speech, speech and swallow. And so kids that have a history of difficulty with swallowing, which might be related to a tongue tie. Mm -hmm. And also if, if there's aberrant speech patterns, that's another big piece that we don't really talk about in orthodontics. Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Michael Gunson has a whole lecture about looking at speech patterns and how patients that have odd speech patterns have actually eroded their condylar head through a lifetime of shifting their jaw in one direction to try to make certain sounds. They sound normal, mm-hmm. but they, the way that the patient gets there is abnormal or unhealthy, which is a crazy thing to think about. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So would you say that because when I go do lunch and learns, right. And I appreciate everybody just wants to get to the nitty gritty. They want to know what patients do I have to send you? Tell me what to look for. I want to send you the patients, but like, tell me who, and when I go to an orthodontist office, like I kind of feel like a jerk saying everybody. Um, but would you agree that if somebody's in your chair in an orthodontic office, more often than not, almost always, you can say that they need myofunctional therapy, right? When we're talking about form follows function, um, that enough, that statement alone says it. Um, yes, yes, <laughs> I think. Right. So if you take a step back, if you say, okay, well, crowding is a sign that the jaws are small, mm-hmm. the patients in, in the orthodontic office because of crowding, let's look at why they're, why is the crowding there? Why are the jaws small? And maybe it has to do with tongue posture. So it's really getting down to the etiology and right. that's, that's what you do. That's where you come in. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, as an orthodontist can't practice without myofunctional on board for almost all of our patients, like you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like I'm not helping you, but I am, I'm telling you who to send to me, but (laughs) I like, you know, it's so, or I literally go through the list and then they say to me, well, that's like every patient. And I'm like, yes, it is. (laughs) So we end up getting there, but if I could just get there a little bit quicker by just literally telling them that. Um, okay. So we, we kind of talked about a little bit in the very, very beginning, but what are your thoughts on healthy star myo brace, at least for the little, little ones? Yeah. You know, it's a great, it, it, it's a great habit corrector. It raises awareness mm-hmm. and in some cases it can be helpful. So in our practice, we use it for really little ones that aren't ready for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bulky and compliance is tricky. Mm-hmm. And so our take on it is to pick and choose carefully. And we, it, for us, it's not comprehensive treatment. It's just to kind of start the conversation. Mm-hmm. We give them to the patients at cost mm-hmm. uh, because we, we want them. To, it helps reinforce myofunctional because it keeps that tongue up and forward, keeps lips together, focuses on nasal breathing, but chances are that patient's going to need more comprehensive treatment later. Um, it's not, I find that compliance is extra low if tonsils and adenoids are an issue. And so I usually won't even bother if they, if they need tonsils and adenoids out. Um, same thing with a tight tongue connection. If they can't get that lift, it's always going to be uncomfortable. And then the mm-hmm. compliance is low mm-hmm. and I don't want them to have a burnout. Now, do you, I mean, I know you work with ENTs all the time, but do you want to talk about your stance on tonsils and adenoids? And when you have parents that come in, um, you know, that don't want to have that surgery done or have their child have that surgery done. How does that conversation go? Or on the other side for myofunction, because an ENT is like the hardest person to get on board, you know, for your team. And so a lot of myofunctional therapists are like, how do I get the ENT to understand that sometimes they do need to come out that we can't just wait and watch because we're waiting and watching and look how they're suffering. Yeah. So a few responses. Um, first, there's an interesting study called the CHAT study. Mm-hmm. Um, I can send you a lot of these references. Yeah, if you absolutely. Want. I'm writing them all down. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but but they but they did watchful waiting on one group of children that needed adenoids and tonsils out, and then they took them out on in the other group, and they were able to show that in the kids where they did take them out proactively, they just had a better quality of life, better sleeping, better growth, mm-hmm. and 
And so maybe talking to the ENTs about some of this research that there's, there is a lot of hesitation to, to do a surgery if they don't feel like it's necessary. So maybe um, asking the parents ahead of time to videotape their child while they're sleeping. I find that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, showing that child tossing and turning, repositioning through the night, snoring. Of course, we hope we don't see it, but if you witness an apneic event to be able to catch it on video, these are all things that are helpful when, when a parent communicates to the ENT. Um, if you have access to a CBCT machine and you can show the large adenoids and tonsils, that becomes really helpful. But um, I have a little spoiler alert, but um, what, what we're finding in our patients is when we do expansion, we're often, not always, but often seeing adenoids and tonsils shrink, mm-hmm. which just sort of blows my mind. But it makes sense because the nose is a natural filtration system and it filters the air, it moistens the air. Um, it takes out the dust, the pollens, the allergens. And so if you have a child that's mouth breathing all the time and you have this hypertrophic tissue that's just constantly getting inflamed, it becomes cyclic and then they mouth breathe more and more and more. If we do expansion and protraction is needed, now all of a sudden they're breathing through their nose, tongue is up and forward, lips are together they shrink. And I can't promise it for every family, but I'm seeing it. Mm-hmm. And I know Dr. Audrey Yoon is seeing it also. And um, the other thing we're seeing is that the sinuses drain because we're opening up. There's something called the osteomeatal complex mm-hmm. and it's where it's how the sinuses drain. And so in a child that's really narrow, um, they're, everything's blocked and constricted and they're probably a little bit extra inflamed right? If you open it up, everything drains. It's, it's kind of crazy, but, but really cool to see. Yeah. Super cool. Um, another question if, or how, so, uh, we get referred a patient say from an orthodontist and we know they need expansion, but the orthodontist maybe wants to wait till they're a little bit older to let more of their natural growth happen. Um, how would you say we respond to that? And let's say that the patient's um, 12. So that's tricky. Um, Cause heart, you can't tell another doctor how to practice. right? <laughs> um, and we all have our own philosophies and kind of right. what works best in our hands. Patient that's 12 is probably about to go into comprehensive treatment. If they're 12 and they're waiting, they're probably going to get started in the next six months or so. Um, with females around right around the time of menses um, and, and for late teenage boys too, or, or you know, kind of mid-range teenage boys, if we do a cemented expander, the, the changes at the bony level are less significant than if you start early. And so but that 12 is tricky because they're probably about to go into comprehensive treatment and they don't want to prolong treatment. Right. So let's say they're going to be ready at 12 and a half. They'll probably do it at 12 and a half. Now okay. the trickier ones are, let's say it's a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's a six-year-old and there's crowding and there's just poor sleep quality. They're, they've, they're grinding. They've just all, all the issues that we all know to look for. Um, maybe they're growing in a gummy smile or there's crossbite, you know, you really want to intervene. The, the, the AAO has a statement that you don't treat till seven. 
there's no evidence. There's no paper that has been written that says seven is this magical age. Mm -hmm. And so in our office, if we have a six-year-old and they've got all the signs and symptoms, we have, and they're mature and they're, they're going to be okay in the chair. We have no problem expanding and expanding off the baby teeth. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of orthodontists. I know that want to wait till the adult teeth come in. There's no, imagine you help this little kid sleep better, breathe better for an extra year of life. Absolutely. Why not? Why there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with expanding off the baby teeth. What's the youngest that you've placed a fixed expander on? Uh, we've done it on four-year-olds. Wow. And that's not common mm-hmm. in our practice. Um, I think other practitioners, I know Kevin Boyd and some other people will do it on pretty young kids. Mm-hmm. It's as long as the kid is pretty cooperative, it, it works. It's, it's actually quite a pleasure because they expand really quite easily, right, quite predictably. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then we've set them up for a lifetime of breathing, sleeping, getting the teeth to come in. It's, it's really quite nice. Absolutely. Um, well, we touched on a lot of things, so I really appreciate that. Thank you. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you would like to touch on before we wrap things up? Um, I know we alluded to it quite a bit, but I think for, for your audience, um, I really want to stress the importance of the interdisciplinary collaboration. We all are in this together. And the more we can come together and talk about cases and talk about sequencing and talk about goals, the stronger we're going to be in our communities and the, the better quality of patient care. And so um, I love what you guys do. It's so, so important. And um, keep, keep reaching out to your communities and educating people. And, and, and just it's, it's really an exciting time. I think that there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of people that want to come together to make patients healthier. And, um, yeah, so collaboration, Mm -hmm. um, communication, common goals, and, um, it's just great what you're doing. It's so, so, so important. We can't, we, you know, I always tell my patients, myofunctional therapy is an amazing thing, but it is usually an adjunctive treatment along with something else. Like it's not ever the only answer. It's a very important part, you know, and we're always telling patients, it's not a one-stop shop type of deal. You know, before, like, I remember, like I said, I never had orthodontics, but my brother did. And it was just, you go to the orthodontist and that was it. And now, you know, you have to, you know, maybe go to the ENT or maybe get some PT or body, like whatever else needs to be done. But I mean, it's because we're treating the whole body and it affects, as you know, not only the person, but the family life too. Um, And we always try to stress that. And I think some of the parents are very confused when they come to see me in the beginning, because some of them think that I'm just the tongue thrust lady and I'm just going to work on, you know, their child's swallow. And then I'm asking about sleep and diet and, you know, textures in the diet and all of that stuff. And I can see like, they're like, why is she asking me all of this? And obviously we educate them at their initial appointment. And by the end, they're like amazed at all of the stuff that we cover because it is so comprehensive, but it's just, it is so important to have that collaborative care and, not only in the beginning, but throughout the treatment, right. And updating how everything is going at every point. And it's just exciting to also develop those relationships, you know, with everybody. I I think that that's probably been one of my favorite, um, aspects of becoming a myofunctional therapist, because I get to collaborate with 
not just dentists. Like maybe I did when I was a hygienist, you know, now I have good relationships with ENTs and sleep doctors and so forth. So it's super exciting. And at the end of the day, we're just making such a change in, in people's lives. And that's what it's all about. Amazing for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Bacow so much for taking the time on your day off to come on here and chat with me. And of if course. anybody wants to learn more about you or maybe take um, one of your courses through Spare, can they just go on the Spare site and kind of look for it that way? Yep. It'll be on Spare. You can follow us on Instagram. Um, I'm at rbacow and at Inspired Ortho. And we post a lot of interesting cases and case examples too. Thank you for listening to today's episode of I Spy with My Maya Y. If you want to hear more about these episodes, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or feel free to contact me at bsierra.omt at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe as well and let us know of any subject or guest speaker you'd like to hear from. Help spread the word by sharing today's episode on your social media page. You can find me on Facebook at CT Oral Facial Myology and Instagram handle CT underscore oral facial underscore myology. Everybody have a wonderful day.